0: very excited to announce tonight we have two guest speakers, Happy and Die Lehman uh, lead a vineyard in uh, Urbana, Illinois, and uh, both Debbie and I have been there this year. It's a fantastic church. They've been in the vineyard for over 30 years. Uh, We've known them for most of that time, but really have uh, become dear friends in the last year. And uh, we invited them over to come and speak, because this week we've got the we're gathering together the national leaders from all over the UK and Ireland, um, the regional leaders, area leaders, and some others. And they're gonna bring some input there, some inspiring stuff. And so we managed to tag onto that the Sunday, so you get to receive the blessing of these guests from America. So um, I won't take any more time. Would you please welcome Happy and Lehman? Thanks,
1: Dan. Good
0: evening, hey, good evening. Man.
1: You are one blessed church. I said this morning, I'd say it again. I'd join this church instantly if I lived in this town.
0: Honey, you want the chocolate.
1: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, you're, you're creating. You know, this church is a legend back in in the, all the vineyards in America that you have a bar that functions in your church. And we're kind of a liberal place, but wow, you really take the cake, and we're proud. In fact, we're really proud of these two leaders. Yes. <laughs> uh, They are very well respected in the States, and uh, we're just thrilled that we get to be here. Uh, We have been married 47 years. We've ministered over 40 of them together as partners. We've been co-senior pastors for a long time, and we're going to share the message together. And uh, you'll see we don't always agree, but we do love each other, so... Let's go.
0: (laughs) All right, yes. Thanks again for inviting us, and we've been truly, truly blessed and encouraged this morning. What a wonderful, wonderful church community you have, and John and Debbie have really done an amazing job of not only leading here, but you know, of course, the whole nation. You have to share them with uh, uh, the United Kingdom, so uh, we are very blessed to be here, and We are going to share mostly our own story, but in it we hope you hear that God has a story for you. He's writing a really good one in all of our lives. We just don't always know it and tune into it. And so we've called this message, Surprised by the Spirit, a revolution of grace. Happy and I have lived through four revivals and we are extremely excited that even at our old age, Uh, As Happy's turned 70, I'm not far behind. We are in the middle of another one. It's a revolution of grace. It's sweeping the world. We'll share a little bit about that, but you're already tasting it. You tasted it in your worship, in the community, the way you minister to one another. But, you know, grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And what is happening in this current move of the Spirit is that Jesus is getting bigger, better, and more beautiful than we ever imagined. And it's been revolutionary in our own lives, particularly over the last six years, and so we wanna share some of that journey with you, invite you into it, and we're just very excited because we both love the Holy Spirit deeply. Now, he loves surprises, and I don't. I don't know, anybody else here not like surprises? Uh, a few of control freaks, just like me. Yeah, you don't like surprises because you can't control it, right? You get caught off guard. And I've never convinced my husband I don't like surprises, but, you know, he should have learned his lesson on my 40th birthday when we took our small children out to just, a, you know, an inexpensive place. And we come back, and our entire home is ablaze. I'm like, what? Why are all the lights on? And our second son, I think he was maybe eight years old at the time, well, it's your 40th surprise birthday party, mother. I'm like, no. I was furious because my house was a mess, right? And now all these people are in it and they're going to see the toys and the dishes. And worse than that, I didn't have on any makeup, you know, I was wearing sweatpants. And so no surprises for me, although it ended up being a great surprise and I forgave you. Yes, right. (laughs) Oh, so anyway, the Holy Spirit loves to surprise us. And what we have found is he's constantly giving us the opportunity to respond to those surprises. And, you know, God gives us choice. You know, in spite of what some people say that he's a micromanager, he is not. He loves us so much, he gives us a choice. And that can sometimes be difficult because to say yes to what the Holy Spirit's doing requires humility, you know that I don't really know it all, that I will take a risk, and it's scary to go where he's going. And so to stay extremely humble is extremely important when it comes to saying yes to the surprises of the Holy Spirit. But I hope by sharing our story, you'll be challenged to join in the journey of saying yes to the Holy Spirit's surprises. And two of the key elements that we have found in our over uh, 40 years of ministering together Well, first of all, I would like to say this. I think it's a miracle that at our age, we can still say we love Jesus and we love one another, and we love the church, and we're grateful. We like to give that away to people. We want to give you a vision that it's worth sticking with. It's worth sticking with your life partner. It's worth sticking... I know, honey. (laughs) It's worth sticking with the church, and by far, it's worth sticking with Jesus, but two of the things that we have learned is that we constantly are encouraging one another, stay hungry, don't be satisfied, stay hungry, and stay humble. And that's the text that I'll introduce the message with from James 4, 5. And this is from the Passion Translation. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I'm enjoying, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful translation where James says, does the scripture mean nothing to you that says The spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires more and more of us, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon it. For God resists the proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So don't get thrown off by that jealous lover because that can have negative connotations. But with the Lord, it's amazing. He loves us so much. He desires to be in union with us, not just to be here with us, but to live in us and through us, transform us, love us deeply. And He wants to gush forth grace. You know, grace is a religious word, but it's like God's goodness, pleasure, influence, power. It's, it's all of that. And so I want to encourage you, stay hungry, stay humble, and you will receive because the Spirit is a jealous lover. And he is so eager. He is so eager to partner with us. So let's pray. Father, we are thankful. Wow. So thankful that you've chosen to take up residence inside of us. So thankful that your love never fails, that your faithfulness reaches to the heavens. And I pray even as we share tonight, Holy Spirit, you'd give a fresh invitation to every one of us to keep saying yes to the surprises you bring in our life. Thank you. Thank you for the grace that you're now just pouring out even right now that we might leave here loving Jesus more and loving one another and this community in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start by sharing just how the Holy Spirit has worked in our life. And I start out with saying the Spirit draws us. How many of you know that the Lord knew you even before you were in your mother's womb? I didn't say that, but the the prophet Jeremiah did. And long before I even knew there was a Holy Spirit, uh, here's Happy, uh, I don't know how old you are there, honey, about five, playing the accordion. Oh, seven or eight I wish you wouldn't have given that up. That wouldn't really be wouldn't an, an, an asset enjoy. to the worship team, wouldn't it? And that's me. <laughs> and I just show you that, that even as a child, you know, the Holy Spirit was working. He was working. And often you don't know that till you look back over your shoulder and you go, Oh, my goodness, Lord, you were, you were working. But we were both raised in wonderful, wonderful Christian homes. Both of our parents uh, loved Jesus uh, and to the end. My, my, only my 92-year-old mother is still alive. But we were both raised in the same faith, but we didn't know one another. and We lived in different towns. And it was, as Happy often likes to describe it, Amish with cars so you kind of get the idea right (laughs) Um, we did have cars we did not have TVs we could not watch movies go to sporting events there was no music no art no uh, games no dating uh, no makeup no jewelry women had to wear Jesus jumpers had to keep their heads covered I mean don't you want to be a Christian no, right? And we did not want to be a Christian. I did not. Uh, I could not wait uh, to escape to the University of Illinois. And in spite of the fact, again, wonderful parents, but made a decision. Once I hit that campus, you know, it was party time. And I found a welcome partner right here. Um, He was three years older, and he was known as a BMOC, you might not know what that is. It's Big Man on Campus. Yeah, and he was one big man, handsome guy, swept me off my feet, and we fell deeply in love and we agreed we would never become Christians. No God for us, no church, who needs it? And when he proposed, he said to me, "Not only do I promise I'll never be a Christian, you know, I'll I'll you know, never, ever will we be in any kind of ministry you know, at all. I will, though, be a millionaire by age 30. And I said, I will marry you today. Yeah,
1: It's a good line.
0: <laughs> Folks, I'm still waiting. It's okay. i still hoping. <laughs> he is brilliant financially, I must say. He is brilliant. Um, and so, fine, we get married as heathens and uh, one month into our marriage surprise i meet jesus you see i'd known the church and i'd known religion i'd never known jesus and one of the ho- the holy spirit's favorite jobs you know we have one god father son holy spirit but they're in this amazing triune relationship he's called the modesty of god and he's always shining the light on jesus he's the one who reveals jesus to you And it was upon meeting Jesus and surrendering my life to him totally. And then I had to tell Happy. (laughs) I'd reneged on the deal. And you weren't too happy, were you, Happy? No, no. No, Happy was not happy. (laughs) Uh, But we were so in love, it didn't really matter.
1: Well, and nobody really wants to go to hell. So I was in love. I could go with a beautiful woman into the kingdom. So I thought, well, I'll just go with
0: her. Oh, I thought it was my awesome witness of yeah. transformation. No, I guess not. No, but together we were water baptized in May of 1972. And uh, that really ended up, you know, turning our lives around for the first time. But meanwhile, um, Happy is a brilliant finance uh, He has an MBA in finance and he was on his way to making that first million. Um, I was teaching school by then. We both finished our master's degrees at the university. And we were on our way. And uh, boom, we encountered a crisis that all of our money couldn't solve. All of the medicine that we tried couldn't solve. Man had no solution. And that was that we were told it was 99.9% impossible for us to ever, ever conceive our own child. Um, I didn't have womanly functions of any kind, my uh, very, very serious um, problems, and Hap had his own problems, so combined, it was not a good situation. And you know what it is, with any kind of crisis, and infertility is an extremely devastating crisis. Because when you've spent all your money, you've had all the surgeries, you've taken all the drugs, and nothing helps, you have a choice. You're going to shake your fist at God, like, how can you? Where are you? And it's not wrong to be honest. But you can do that, or you can fall on your face and say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And it was his grace in our lives that caused us to cry out and ask him, what's going on? What, why? What? And that opened us up. To another Holy Spirit well, it surprise. Well, kind of, it
1: kind of opened us up. Oh, I, yeah. I would walk to school. She was a school teacher. walk about a mile to school by choice <laughs> and cry all the way. And she came home, and she decided that she really she really wanted a baby. I mean, she just talked about it all the time. And she'd come to me and say, I've been talking to Jesus on the way to school, and he assures me that if he were here, I'd have a baby. I said, well, yeah. But I, I mean, you need to understand I'm a little bit lackadaisical and lazy in my faith at this point. But anyway, I told her, die. Just relax. That stuff's all either Old Testament stories or when Jesus was around and it's all passed away. There isn't any such thing as healings anymore. And, you know, take it from me. I'm the head of this house. I know. No, Stop.
0: you weren't the head, honey. Yeah, but, but I but thought of But still, it, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is the head of We've our house. We've been battling
1: over who's yeah. the head for a <laughs> long time. So I'm in, my, I'm in my estate planning and financial planning office and a young kid who'd been working there walks in my office one day and he says, Hey, Happy, did you know that God still does the same miracles he did 2,000 years ago? Well, she'd been talking to me about miracles. This friend says, Look at him and said, I didn't have any, I have six years at the University of Illinois. I don't think I had any classes on miracles.
0: Well, and our pastor, the church we were yeah. part of, said, those ceased with the apostles. There's no such thing as a modern-day miracle. I mean, there's medical miracles, but no miracles.
1: So, so you know, th- this whole thing just, it, it was just kind of shocking. A few weeks later, I'm out in my car. We, we did encounter the Spirit, which you'll talk about in mm-hmm. a moment. But I'm out in my car driving to a client, and I didn't know God talked. I didn't know He didn't talk. But I was just sitting in my car, and, and I hear the voice of God say, you're going to your last appointment in Chicago, the top expert in the Midwest of America. He's going to tell you very bad report. And I, oh, boy, because every time we got a bad report, Di cried some more. I never knew what to do. But then he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. I promptly thought, oh, I must have heard from God. marched in and told Di exactly what I said. And you responded?
0: Well, no, wait. I was like, first of all, we don't hear voices. Okay, so we were raised that... God doesn't speak that way. We have the Bible. We have the Bible. That's how God speaks. And if on the rare chance he might speak, I think he would speak to me, not to you. Which, I mean, Ahap, as he said, was struggling a little bit with his faith. I had to make him do a Bible study before he could watch TV at night and some things like that. But, you know, otherwise, you uh, were coming along anyway. If you but-
1: need prayer, I'll pray for you later. <laughs>
0: Oh, that was years ago. So, yes, you hear this from God, and...
1: Well, in the meantime, and it's, about, it's all wrapped together, but we also went to that meeting where the guy was supposed to be a healer.
0: Yes, I'm, I, I know. He, he, we thought we were going to get pregnant. Yeah, you know, we
1: thought you go, you sort of immaculate conception, you come home pregnant. Because this I mean, guy we said... We didn't know
0: how miracles worked, okay? He said he,
1: he prayed for people to have babies. I forgot there was, the, you know, the practical part of it, but that's another story, but... <laughs> You
0: never forgot that part, honey.
1: (laughs) So um, I could tell you I better not go there. No, you're not going there. But so this whole thing, the the guy didn't even pray for anybody other than say, get the Holy Spirit.
0: Uh, uh, he spent the whole night preaching about the Holy Spirit. We'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. The church in which we were part of, uh, when we got water baptized, prayed and said, the Holy Spirit seals you. And we just said, he, he got so sealed inside of us like we never heard from him since. And we knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. We'd been warned about Pentecostals. And so this was a very difficult challenge, a very risky surprise for us. Because our church said beware, our parents said beware, and yet we could feel, we could just feel God drawing us and and challenging us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, of course, that is a very biblical experience. It was the most life-changing experience ever for us. You see the text I have up there. We won't read it because we're moving along. But we had to make a decision. Is is this real? And we decided, oh, we're going to do a Bible study, remember? Because we were students of the Bible. But when I came home that night, I couldn't sleep. And when I got out of bed uh, at midnight and... And went downstairs and got on my knees and got out the little booklet. I felt so foolish. You know, I was getting my doctorate at the university. And yet, you know, often it's being willing to just humble yourself and say, I don't understand this. It feels foolish, but I'm going to go through the steps of asking Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I did. I was petrified. I said, I don't want to speak any weird language. And I opened my mouth to say, praise you, and out came the most beautiful language. I did slap myself across the face because I was like, is that real or is that? But the most incredible, the most incredible change in our lives, after we both were baptized with the Holy Spirit, its scales fell off our eyes. I mean, have you ever struggled reading the Bible? Like it doesn't make sense or it's... The Holy Spirit is the teacher. You you can't read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. And the first thing he showed us was, yes, Jesus is doing miracles. He is a healer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we were jazzed, weren't we? We were so excited. We're like, oh, my goodness. We couldn't wait to tell everybody. Uh, nobody in town would actually pray for us. That's a whole other story that was Uh, that God actually orchestrated. So we ended up having to pray for ourselves and uh, just asking God for that healing. And we did a whole Bible study. We discovered that there's like eight barren women in the Bible that God healed. And the whole story of the Bible unfolds through women who can't have babies. You know, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, Elizabeth. We're like, wow. So we were excited. So we opened up our home just to tell people because it didn't feel like anybody in our town knew. God was still doing miracles. Obviously, they did, but that was our perception and our, you know, excitement. And people started flocking to our home to hear all about this God who does miracles. Now, did we have a miracle? No, no miracle. Did I have any sign of miracle? No, no sign. Do you know how much it pleases God when we just say, I believe you, God? I believe your word. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I believe you've said you're a healer. You heal the barren woman. You said pray, ask. So we believe. And so we just started telling everyone at the Bible study, I'm healed, the baby's coming. We don't know when, the baby's coming, the baby's coming. It was a very, very difficult time. Uh, But very foundational to what God was teaching us, how to trust him. How to hold on to him when it doesn't look like you should trust him. And again, another opportunity from the Holy Spirit to just depend on his presence and his grace. And so now we're coming upon almost a year. And I'd stopped all medical treatment. They had told me that, that my, what they wanted to do now was a hysterectomy. So I said, I'm not doing it. And adoption agency called us. And we'd done all the tests, uh, the home visits, paid all of our money. They said, you're next. Get ready. The girl is pregnant. And unless she backs out, you'll have a baby soon. And so that night when we were praying, God spoke to both of us and said, why are you adopting a baby? We're like, well, God, you're, like, you're all for adoption, God. Uh, he said, I didn't say I wasn't. I want to know why you are adopting a baby. Don't ever try to fool God. It's not a good idea, right? He he always knows. He can see your heart. And we had to say, well, God, it's because we really think you won't come through. Nothing's changed. And we both confessed that and repented for that. And the next morning told the adoption agency, please give that baby to another couple. And that was April 22nd. 1978. We wouldn't know it for three more months, but that was probably the night that our first son, Jonathan David Lehman, was conceived. And in July of that year, when I discovered, finally, after not feeling well for a while, that I was over three months pregnant, um, it was incredible joy. That's me and our youngest son, or oldest son, who is now 40 years old. (laughs) And yeah, so it was...
1: Yeah, and uh, I, one slide out of order back there. Go to slide number nine. Uh, the spirit just kept bearing fruit.
0: No, oh, that's later, sweetie.
1: No, you're right here. No, no, no. I'm up here. No, you're not.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, you have to do. This. I know.
1: I want to talk about this. This.
0: Oh, okay. You go
1: ahead. We ended up. We ended up with five kids. They're all married, and we now have sixteen. Grandkids, and the other one's on the way.
0: On the way. The and, spirit uh, bears fruit, yeah.
1: So, yeah, it, it's... Surprise. It's, yeah, we've we been surprised. Every, it was like we started praying, like, how does this thing stop? <laughs> I had some guys talking to me, but I didn't want to pay attention to that. I didn't like their <laughs> solutions, so... <laughs> but you talk about surprise. Then, uh, about this time, because we announced we were pregnant... Everybody, the town's starting to buzz about us. Of course, I say the town, the town's 175,000, and we have like 2,000 in our local campus, so that means 168,000 still don't know it. So more don't know it than do. But the Lord says, I want you to start a church with these people. You talk about surprised. I said to God, I said, God, you must be having a really bad day. Did you forget (laughs) I have an MBA? MBA, business, a master in business. And I said... Prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is just one year ago, I didn't know one Bible verse. I couldn't have even quoted John 3.16 correctly, I, even though I did those studies that yes. she told me. And I'm in the top 10% of the brain power of the world. And I thought, I don't know how the dumb people ever figure this Bible out. <laughs> well, when we got filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly I started, I knew like 500 verses, but I still had, I had no Bible training. And God said, no, you're the person I want to start the church. And I, I thought, okay. And he said, by the way, you don't have to call yourself a pastor because you said you'd never pass. Just say you're gonna partner with me. Let me tell you something. Partner with God in what I do looks a lot like pastoring, but God <laughs> kind of tricked me. Then he said, He said, I will give you, I'll promise you something. I'll bring every person and every bit of money you ever need to lead. All you have to do is put it together and organize it. So it's been really neat. I see a new person coming, oh wonder what God's doing with that person. And my whole life is to figure out where they fit, how I can bless them, how they can bless the whole body. You,
0: you've already tried to hire several Brits already yeah. while we're here. Well, I try to yeah. hire anybody. Already, is, watch if you're not out. Down, he might try to I'll hire anybody. You 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 yeah,
1: but I try to get you to come for free first. <laughs> I, you know, that's my finance side coming out. So it's been really interesting to watch. Then we just started this little independent church. We thought, that's all there is. You know, just be independent. We were charismatic. We, we just wanted to tell everybody. We told them about faith, prayer. We were so stunned that God was real.
0: That he answered prayer.
1: And he answered prayer. So we just want to tell people. That. Then in the mail, a magazine comes. Uh, go ahead and put up that magazine cover. It, this comes to our house, MC510. Can it change your life? Huh. MC510. We're products of the era of late, great planet Earth. Many of you wouldn't even know that book, but it's kind of like the Left Behind series, but it was for our generation. It was all about the rapture and being left behind. We thought, aha, that's a computer in Brussels that has our name on it, and it's going to wipe us out or something. We looked at it. It was all about the vineyard and John Wimber.
0: That's the class that John Wimber was teaching out at Fuller Seminary on missions and signs and wonders. We said,
1: wow, they're doing it way better than we are. Let's find out about them. So we Mm called them up. You called them up, and they said, well, just come to a meeting. So we march out to Palm Springs, California, in our suits and nice clothes. And they said, bring your shorts. We didn't do it. We had to go buy clothes because we we were the only person there in a suit. And we thought, wow, this is really weird. Then they sang songs that sound like the Beach Boys. And I thought, is this legal? (laughs) Is this legal in a church? Because we'd always sung 200, 300-year-old hymns. We said, wow, I love this place. But it scared you a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, there were, like, grown men on the floor weeping and, like, singing to Jesus, not just about him. It was so intimate. And then, like, everybody was having these words of knowledge, like, calling out conditions, and there were tremendous healings. And I, 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 mean, I, I was filled with the Spirit. I, I believed in all that, but it was so scary. It was a, such a surprise. I was, I don't know, Lord, I, I just said to have, we're going home. But, yeah, but I don't know. This is probably a cult. I'm real conservative.
1: Yeah. I'm a farm boy. I'd never been to California and I'm about 30 years old, and I think, well, I'm staying. This is California. Palm Springs, it's one of the great vacation spots. I said, we're staying. Well no, you those- said
0: we're staying because we paid five hundred dollars. Yeah, but it was a god you- it
1: was a God yeah. moment. You gotta understand. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't purely financial. I no, it probably was purely financial. <laughs> all right, all right. But we, we became part of the vineyard. We've been blessed to be national leaders uh, on the national leadership team for like 30 years. and You know, we, we got stories we could tell after hours. But God blessed our little church. It turned into a, a church. We did some dumb things and watched some things happen. But wow. Then another surprise. There's something that happened that one of the great revivals of, of history has happened in Toronto called the Toronto Blessing. Some of you probably have heard of it. Um... And it's one of the, I think, something like 5 million people visited it. Uh, That's a lot of people into a, a city. Well, I actually had a little part in it, in that one of the guys I oversaw, I used to oversee the whole Midwest for the vineyard, and one of my guys was a guy named Randy Clark. Randy was always chasing after God, and I was always chasing after God with him. And one day, he comes to one of my meetings, and he, before Toronto, about three months before Toronto, we're all laying on the floor, rolling around, laughing, don't know what hit us. And I think, what is this? And we go back home. It happens a little while. I then go back to Palm Springs for another leader meeting, and a guy named John Arnott, who is a pastor at Toronto, who is um, famous for the leader of the Toronto Blessing, came up to me and said, happy, I'm desperate for God. I'm going to go to South America and find God. And that's a whole long story. But I said, don't waste your money and go to South America. Randy already found him. <laughs> I just it was that flippant that I said it. He takes takes me up, invites Randy, who's one of the great evangelists that the vineyard's ever produced. Uh it works a lot in Brazil and throughout the US. But anyway, a meeting starts up there in ninety-four that they call me in two days and say, Happy, you started this. Get up here and control it. It's out of it's out of control. I said, Oh don't worry, it dies in two weeks. And it went on for 20 some years. (laughs) And millions and millions of people came. So again, surprised, I'm thinking, Lord, I I didn't know what I'd done. Just time after time, the spirit just keeps interrupting our lives and saying, will you do this for me, will you do this? And it's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. I'm not quite sure what I do next.
0: And it was messy. Lots of this is messy. And that's again, as long as we were willing to just humble ourselves, stay hungry, like God's grace was there to, to navigate this. And so, you know, the years passed. We're in the vineyard. Happy and I serve on the board uh, in the USA. You know, we're very active. And our church is thriving. It's, it's you know, growing. And we, we pray for healing. We, we don't have people rolling on the floor or any, you know, amazing, you know, uh, manifestations. But in about 2010, our two older, two younger sons... They were in the early 20s at that time they came to us and they said mom dad you've lost it we're like excuse me and uh this was again a surprise and we this took a huge chunk of humility we're like our church is fantastic all of our bills are paid we have thousands of people coming we we pray for people they no, you've lost it the spirit is on the move mom and dad The Spirit is on the move. Our generation is hungry for this move of the Spirit. We want an experience of the Spirit. And we need you to get on board. We're like, well, it was was a a difficult time. But when your two sons are coming and telling you they want revival of the Spirit, not that they're addicted to heroin or something, you know, you have to wake up, right? Like, okay. Um, And so... This was 2010. By 2011, you know, they're sharing resources with us, like from Bethel, you know, in uh, California. And, and then I was invited to speak at our national conference on the Holy Spirit. And I had my talk all ready and uh, submitted PowerPoints ready. And one week before, the Holy Spirit said, that's not what I want you to share at all. Oh, okay, surprise. Like, again, I'm a control freak, plus I obey, like have my PowerPoints in, because I have a prophetic word for you, and I want you to share it. It's a prophetic word for the U.S. vineyards. said, so, okay, what is it? And it's this, let the kids out of their car seats. And know, it's kind of a mystery, right? <laughs> See, in the U.S., I think it's the same over here. We are extremely obsessed with safety, You know, our children are buckled in, like five-point buckles. It's very difficult to get them in, to get them out. And, I mean, there's just obsession with safety. And the Lord was using that to illustrate it was time for Happy and me to let the young leaders loose, to listen to their cries, to give them an opportunity, to let them out of the car seat, to take a risk, even when it was very frightening to us, for our whole church could fall apart or not. And so I went to that conference, I shared that word, but I put it into practice by letting my three younger children take a portion of the speaking and come on stage and share their hearts for a move of the Spirit. Well, we had a grand outpouring, but we had tons of pushback, which I won't get into. Uh, By end of 2011, Happy gets a phone call from a man named Todd White. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Todd or followed his ministry. And Todd said, I, I'm supposed to come and speak at your church. And I Googled him, and I go, no, this guy's not coming. No. He has dreads.
1: Go ahead and put his picture. He's
0: a wild man. Yeah, no. No, he's not coming. And uh, so Sohab said, no, sorry. Like, we, no. And uh, he called six times and said, I'm supposed to come, I am supposed to come. So this is in December, I say, okay, fine. First week in January, middle of Illinois, it's a deep freeze. Nobody can get out, it'll be icy, snowy, nobody will come, all the students are gone, they're on break, he can come the first week in January. So he came, and that first night, we had to meet with our leadership team. And it was okay, and I'm like, okay, we're pretty safe here. I didn't count on social media though because some of our leaders were picking up on something that me, spiritually dull, was not picking up on and they put it all over social media. Don't miss the meeting the next night. Our auditorium that seats over 1,000 was packed to the gills as Todd White strides onto the stage. And I'm like, oh. And these were the words out of his mouth. I have been sent to start a revival. Oh, my God. sent by God to start a revival. And then I was, no, I don't want any revival here. uh, People will go crazy. They'll stay up till all hours. We'll lose all of our big givers. No, I've lived through all these revivals. I don't want it. Our church is nice and neat and growing and healthy. And then he said, yes, I've been sent by God to start a revival, and it's a revival of righteousness, and it begins in each one of you. And the sword of the Spirit went through my heart, and I knew it was a word from God. That was January 2012, and the journey we've been on for the last six years has turned our church upside down, our community, our our lives. We are watching a revival of righteousness that has begun in us as we have begun to be as we sang tonight.
1: Yeah, that was a great song. That's, I am who he says. I am. I am who
0: he says I am. That we've gone from being so, you know, sin conscious and trying to clean ourselves up and be good enough and, and perform enough. And we've come into a whole new experience of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the cross was a total success, that we're no longer sin conscious, but son conscious. And that Jesus lives in us and through us. And this is what the only message that is going to be attractive to the millions of people, whether it's here or in the United States, where we can go freely and give away this love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Well, to just show you how powerful this has, people that have called me a control freak said I'm totally changed. Yeah. You know, I, I finally understood who God was. And most people are trying to figure out who they are. But unless you know who God is, who you are doesn't make much sense. That's right. But once you know who God is... And then you begin to see you are saved and righteous, you're adopted, you're seated in heavenly places, you you have been uh, made a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And that song, I thought it was so good, I am who he says I am. I know in this room, every one of us struggles with an orphan spirit, but some of us struggle with it abundantly. And orphan spirits never thrive in the kingdom of God. They're always like, I hope God likes me today. And it just changed my life. One more surprise, and we can't get into the whole thing that happened to us, but one more surprise. I had this young Ph.D. student in physics, and one day I said to him, God's really moving around. We need a school. This guy, I told him to get the best leaders and healers he could think of and study our materials and, and put something together. He kind of looks at him, and then God downloads to him a thing called the School of Kingdom Ministry that's been in 150 U.S. vineyards. It's in five countries besides. We had about 5,000 students go through, and it's revolutionizing the churches. It's like, where did this come from again? And how come I'm the pastor? I'm not this theological guy. I just had an idea, and I told this guy to start it. And, and then you
0: he... were humble enough to let him, honey.
1: Yeah. You were. But you again, were. here's the key. Young men in particular, listen to this. You never have to be the best at anything. You only have to find the people that are, then be nice to them, put them in the right place, and they'll make you look good. That's <laughs> my secret to my life. I found her, and she is. my kids have even asked why she'd marry me. <laughs> Girls have weak moments, Ask them, uh, and they'll laugh. Oh. Oh. You, you might get a good wife, I think, but that's another story. I have a whole teaching on how to find a spouse.
0: Hon, it's time to Okay. Stop. yeah.
1: All right, so. That's all I got to say.
0: <laughs> I know our time is up. We actually had a couple more things, but I think we're just going to go ahead and stop with um, this final text. Uh, we haven't even begun to, you know, share how we've been transformed, but it all comes down to this, this text from Revelation 22 where the Holy Spirit says, come. He just says, come, says the Holy Spirit and the bride and divine duet. Let everyone who hears who hears this duet, join them in saying, come. Let everyone gripped with spiritual thirst say, come. Let everyone who craves the gift of living water come and drink it freely. It is my gift to you. Come, says the Lord. And I know that is the atmosphere here in this church. It's an atmosphere of come. You thirsty, come. We're going to drink this together, and not just what's served at the bar. We're going to get drunk on the spirit. And we are going to be all that Jesus died and rose again for us to be. And we are going to partake of this revolution of grace that's sweeping
1: the world. So that we see Jesus bigger, better, and more beautiful every week. If you're not seeing him that way, you're on a a dead-end track. Christianity is really boring if it's all about behaving but if you have a growing, vibrant relationship. The two of us are still learning how to get along with each other after 47 years. I'm getting better at it, but I still have my moments where I have trouble. So, But at any rate, bigger, better, more beautiful.